something to say. Hello everybody, how you doing? My name is Charlie, and you might know me better as Sci-Fi Fantasy Writer C. Dorsey, or at least I'd like you to. <laughs> how you been? Okay, so I've been doing a lot of episodes lately, kind of talking about talking about, and that's kind of what I want to do today, because there's a lot of crazy in the world right now, and I don't know that there's much. Now, I'm not saying that we need to surrender or stop, you know, arguing for the things that we love or fighting for the things that we Because I would never say that. But I'm not sure we have the tools necessary to achieve any of the things that we want to. Whether that's as a fandom, as a culture, as a group in society. And I think that's because we have a basic dichotomy at work that when it is acknowledged tends to be spoken of in anger. And that that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today because I, I can't tell you how many times recently I have heard somebody in just sheer exacerbation scream, shout, or just sigh out. Fill in the blank just isn't rational. And yeah, th this is something that I have argued for years and I wish that gave me a head start for the place that we're currently in but in all the years that I've actually thought that rationality was not the solution to our problems, I, I haven't actually found an answer that works for a lot of people. I'll explain that. Okay, so I am not saying that logic doesn't matter. I'm not saying that reason doesn't matter. What I'm saying is we, as humans, are not primarily logical creatures. We are creatures of instinct, habit, and passion. It is much easier to inflame or set off or trigger our instinct or our passion or to feed a habit than it is to rationally approach these things and discuss them. This is a basic problem that really irritates me, especially in writing, because while I think there has to be some sense to the action of characters, because nobody behaves without what they perceive as reasons. Those reasons are not always logical. Those reasons are often emotional or instinctual or born out of some passion or trauma that the character is reacting to. Because most people in the real world are reactive and reactive characters are boring. And so when we write fiction, we often write very active characters who seem to have more agency than we do in our own lives. And I think this is kind of a point where it's infected the culture to a point where those who do act out of reason and logic feel, huh, see what I did there, that others should be able to do so as well. And when that feeling is contradicted by reality, which it often is and often will be, then there is an angry reaction well, what are we supposed to do then? Logic just doesn't seem to work. Yeah, lo logic probably wasn't going to work. And I'm not saying that we give up on that, because there, there are, I, 
I can look at some things in my life that I changed my mind about that logical reasons were why I changed my mind, but that was because I had an emotional reason or an instinctive reason to seek out those logical reasons and to actually question what I, in fact. So this is where I think we kind of need to go back to basics and start really discussing and dissecting how we can have these conversations. One, so society isn't as fractured and fandom isn't as fractured and our characters are more realistic. Now, I approach all of this as a somewhat stoic. And I I say that because I, I have adopted a lot of stoic thought. I have adopted a lot of stoic practice. Um, I don't like a lot of modern stoics. And I think that ancient stoics were often overly superstitious. And so over the years, I have kind of put together my own brand of stoicism, if you will, that I think takes from the best of all of these to help me navigate my way through the world. And so, yes, logic and reason are important, but they are not actually prime motivators. Even the ancient Stoics didn't see logic as the main motivator for both. They understood that passion was. And this is why the main quest in life was for arete. It was for excellence. It was to drive yourself to be excellent at the things that you did and in the things that you believed. And through that almost egoic passion to be the best at whatever it was that would then drive you towards truth that would drive you towards being better that would drive you towards being more moral because logic doesn't control your passions it can to a certain limited extent and a lot of stoic practice is logical in that you rehearse bad events in your mind to prepare yourself for them or to mitigate them. You do not, you try not to let yourself say, this is my favorite cup, but to merely say, I like cups. So when that cup breaks, it's no great loss. Now, ancient Stoics will tell you, you should say the th same thing about your family. You shouldn't say, I love my family because they will eventually break and die and you will be harmed. So you should merely say, I love people because people will always be there. I think that goes a little, but you know, I've kind of merged a lot of my own stoic practice with thoughts from Buddhism, but that's not really relevant. I, I think our modern culture has several problems and I'm going to speak now very specifically to an American culture because that's what I grew up in. I grew up in the Ozarks. Well, I grew up all over the place, but primarily when I was born in Missouri, I, as a child, lived in Tennessee, in Arkansas, in Texas, in Missouri again. We spent quite some time in Oklahoma and Wisconsin, um, a bit of time in both of those, and then back here in Missouri, and then we moved to Maryland, which is basically all of that first stuff gets divided up in the first 10 years of my life. After 10 in Missouri, um, my mid-20s, I guess, um, is when I moved to California and then back here. And I, I point that out because, you know, I, the first half of my life and the sec second half of my childhood, I guess I should, not life, but childhood are very distinctly divided because growing up in Tennessee and Missouri and Arkansas and Texas, I had a very different view of the world than the world that I encountered when I was 10. 
when I was 10, I moved in an apartment complex with my family and most of my friends were Korean or Iranian or Turkish. For the first time in my life, I met somebody who was Jewish, um, Mormon. I met Catholics. I met people from Brazil. There were some Native Americans that lived there. I, and, you know, people from India, China. And, you know, I refer to this part of my life kind of as, you know, living in the mini United Nations. I mean, almost every apartment that you went to, the person there was first or second generation from somewhere. And in a lot of ways that included me because the world that I had grown up in when I was a child, you know, before I was 10, was very simple and different. I mean, I grew up listening to stories from my great-grandparents who were in their 80s, 90s, up until the hundreds, about the first time they ever heard of a car, about the time my great-grandfather thought he may have held Jesse James's horse when they went. My, my childhood was a very different thing. And the reason I bring that up here, I know this sounds like a lot of random disconnected events, but what I'm saying is my life experience was so different that when I moved to Maryland, it was such a culture shock because I, I, when I grew up, I learned how to cook on a Franklin pot-bellied wood stove. My great-grandmother taught me how many logs to put in the fire, how to set the kindling, how to light it, how to heat it up, how to heat and clean the cast iron skillets that we cooked on. Yeah, that, that was my childhood. It's me, my dog, and a BB gun running around in the woods because we lived so far away from the other kids that it wasn't realistic to have those kids over to the house. I mean, yeah, this is also the time when I was watching He-Man and Transformers and Robotech, so I wasn't sheltered from the, the rest of the world. I mean, we had, the, we had television. I remember sneaking out one night to watch Doctor Who, which fascinated me because it was so different and the people spoke with such exotic accents that I just didn't know what to do because it was Tom Baker and Romana. Yeah. And it was hard for me to assimilate into Maryland. But eventually I made friends and eventually I found people that ha had interests that I did in common. Kevin and Peter liked to draw and so we would we kind of bonded over our love of drawing. Mark liked to play video games and so we kind of bonded over video games and you know some of my friends and I got bullied by the same bullies in fifth grade and that's how we became friends because we would look out for each other and that's kind of how it went you know what I'm saying like we found things in common and that was the inroad to discuss things and to change the person that I was my very strong Missouri accent mostly went away I mean you can hear it on the podcast every now and then you can tell when I'm tired recording the podcast because my accent will come back and it will come back re really strong and i don't actually practice not having it i just lived in maryland for so long at a formative point in my life that my accent just disappeared i didn't even really take on a maryland accent which is quite distinct especially when you encounter it for you know as somebody who's never heard it before native maryland accent is quite a, quite distinct but all of those things liberalized me and i i don't mean that in that they made me into a lefty. Other things that happened much later in my life to a lefty. No, those things changed my view on so much. I had never known people that weren't white before I moved to Maryland. I mean, I'm sure I had met some. I mean, I remember 
my church in Missouri helping to bring over people from Cambodia during all that. And I know I had met some Cambodians through that, but, you know, I had never really met people that weren't white. I'd never met people that weren't Christian. That's why I highlighted the fact that I made a friend who was Jewish. Like that seems so exotic and strange to me as a child because I didn't know you could not be Christian because that's all that I knew growing up. I learned to have a very different view of the Civil War from what I was taught in school where the South was kind of lionized and the whole lost cause thing was going on. Yeah, and that's what started my chain. And I'm not saying that, well, we have to get everybody when they're 10, though that would be beneficial. What I'm saying, what, what changed my opinion on so many things, and constantly does, is meeting people where they are and having a conversation with them and connecting over the things that we love and connecting over the things that connect us. And then on those things that don't, we at least have established some kind of a vocabulary with which we could talk. I'm not saying that we can do that with everybody. Some of the alt-right trolls and all that other stuff, we're, we're not going to win them through conversation and brownie. Unless they're magical brownie. But don't do that to people without their consent. And depending on the state you're in, don't do that at all. Because laws and things. But I, I think I noticed this when I first got involved in politics. Because... I've talked about this in on the show before, but you know, I I was a Republican as a kid, and I was a registered Republican, and I voted for George H. W. Bush against Bill Clinton the first time. And what changed me was discussions that I had with people. But what's important for this conversation is it was about that time that I remember watching shows like Crossfire and the McLaughlin Group because yeah, I was that kind of a kid, and politics started to look like sports and i remember starting to see it like sports i mean it was almost like fantasy football like this is my team that's your team and oh, for goodness sakes on election nights i still sit back and turn on coverage of the returns as they're coming in as if they're actually returns coming in as if it's like a game and the score the, it, you know at this quarter is at this you know it's it's stupid it really is when you think about it because the end result isn't going to change the polls are closed they're just counting ballots but i watch it like a sports match it is in a lot of ways my sports ball and i think it has become that for a lot of people whether they realize it or not and i think so, quite a few do realize it and that's where i think we need to start having conversations here there is no winning i, I don't think winning is the goal i don't think winning like yes there are candidates that i really like and i would love to see them actually get elected and yes you can win at the polls and i'm not stupid and i'm not saying that you can't but that electoral victory is not a cultural victory because i don't think there are cultural victories i really don't i think when we're dealing with any kind of cultural issue whether it's people's feels about Nagini or the feelings about how The Last Jedi turned out or much more important things that I really don't want to talk about on the podcast because I don't want this to become a political show. But everyone phrases all of this, all of these things in terms of winning and losing and who's on top and who's on bottom. And even when they're not covering the horse race, there's still the sports analogy put on that you can win. Like, 
somehow Disney lost because Solo wasn't huge at the box office. They released four movies and made almost $5 billion. That's a win. Like, Solo did nothing, good or bad, for the for the Disney brand, for the Star Wars brand. It, it was a passable movie that I actually enjoyed more the second time I watched it because I bought it the day it came out because I'm that kind of a Star Wars fan. It didn't do anything. <laughs> so whether it is your mathematical proof in keeping score about how this person or that person or this idea or that idea is doing you've lost you've lost the the plot thread here you've lost the idea that's not what any of this is about disney's going to be fine because there's not really a winning and losing there now with some things like the current issue that is going on in the country right now that i really don't want to get into the can of worms on because this will turn into a two and a half hour podcast because i I'll get red in the face and I'll start like going through everything point by point and I don't want to do that. Yes, if a certain thing happens, there will be a great loss. But even if he doesn't, yes, certain things will not be promoted. But the next nominee will do a lot of the same thing, just maybe without the allegations on the side. This isn't, I'm not saying this isn't a battle worth winning or fighting. I'm just saying we have to look at the bigger picture. We, we have to look at the conversations we're having on the ground, and we have to stop thinking in these grand battle win or lose things. You know, I've often said on this podcast that the worst thing that ever happened to the LGBT rights movement was the Ogrefell decision. When we won marriage, and don't get me wrong, I'm glad we could get legally married, and I am so happy that I legally married my husband. But it was kind of like the moonshot. People thought, we did it. It's over. Everybody can go home now. And those of us in the trenches knew how much was left to do from, you know, housing discrimination to employment discrimination, dot, 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 you know, medical discrimination, fill in the blanks. There's so much there. There's a girl I know on Twitter who recently had the um, place they went to to get their prescription filled for their hormones tell them that they're no longer participating in her degenerate lifestyle and so she can't get hormones anymore and so she's struggling to figure out how she can get her hormones in the place that she lives it's it's a nightmare so yes there are battles to be fought there there is there are some that are real wins and real losses but they are battles and all of this focus on winning and the horse game and you know the horse race and how our ideas are doing the idea that if this movie does better than that movie at the box office, then my people are better than your people. Crap that's going on in the country right now. It's just that. It's filling time because, well, somebody can come to my blog 24 hours a day, so I need to be putting up something new there 24 hours a day. And that's not good for anyone. It's like CNN. They have 24 hours to fill. And so CNN, Fox News, MSNBC, they have to talk for 24 hours. And most of it's just talk. It doesn't matter. It's it's chatter. It's inane chatter. And this is one of the few places I would say on all sides. We, we have to change the, the way we think about the victories we want to see in the culture. I know how I want LGBT characters to be received in fiction and written and performed in fiction. I know how I want my life and my husband's life and my friend's lives to be respected in law and in culture. And 
everyone has their own issues. I sit back and I think about that little 10-year-old boy who was pretty racist, very sexist, very... who would cry themselves at night, begging to wake up a girl. I think about that child that I used to be, and how all the good things that ever happened in my life came through conversation and through connecting with people over things that I love. Most of the changes that happened to me honestly came about through Star Trek and Star Trek fandom. Most of the good changes, because I met people that had something in common. And we talked, and I learned who they were, and I learned they were different than me, and I learned that that was okay. And that's what we've lost. I don't know how we get back to normal. Because that's what I want to start thinking about. I mean, we have two more years at, at the most to struggle through a lot of the things that we're going to be struggling with. And that's not a lot of time to start thinking about the next phase. I mean, how, how do we get past all this? Because if we spend every waking moment trapped in the hellish now, where things aren't perfect, where things aren't good, and we don't take the time to start questioning and wondering and thinking about, considering what's next, what do we do next? We're not going to get to that. That to me is the glory of Star Trek. That That's why to this day we remember the words of Dr. King. Because he tried to look past the horrible state of things and point us all looking past the horrible state. And that's what Star Trek tried to do, was get us to look past all this to see what we're striving towards. Because I think that's what we've lost sight of right now more than anything else. Because everything is so messed up on so many levels for so many people in so many different ways that we've gotten lost in the forest we're looking to win battles forgetting that there's a war and that wars only end when there's an armistice wars only end when they're over and until we reach out and start thinking about that future that we want about what we're actually striving towards what we're actually working to get to it's just going to repeat itself over and over and over again because that's truth that's the secret to all of this if we are so busy fighting over every little thing that we can't even consider what's next or where we actually want to go we can't do anything to get there and that's the real secret to how they and so that's kind of what i wanted to talk to you about yeah i'm, I'm gonna do something happy i don't know what yet but i'm gonna do something happy tomorrow i promise i've just been thinking about this stuff a lot and I really wanted to just bring, put it out there because when we put our heads together, we come up with amazing and match things. So if you like this podcast, awesome. Um, and you want to participate, if you go to anchor.fm slash project shadow, you can download the app, follow me, and leave me a, a voicemail message up to one minute that if, as long as it's clean, I, I try not to put cuss words on the show. Um, so as long as it's clean, I might use on the show itself, and I love doing that. So bear that in mind. Thank you very much if you want to do that. If you want to talk to me, you can hit me up on social media. You can find links to everything that I do over at Project Shadow. If the app that you're listening to me on lets you rate either this episode or the podcast in general, then please do that. That helps out the podcast a lot. If you know anybody who might like this, please share. It really does help when you share the podcast if you have the inclination to help me out financially you, if you look in the show notes you'll see support on anchor or depending on the app that you're in you might just see a support button if you click that you can support me at the one dollar five dollar ten dollar levels i don't get to sit those levels that's 
built into the way it works. That would help me out a lot because I think when once I update my Mac, I'm going to have to spend a lot of money rebuying software because I don't think a lot of my software is going to be compatible. And I kind of want to get a new mic. I mean, I love this mic. It's been good and faithful for many, many years, but I kind of want to get a better mic. So anything that you can give towards that would be wonderful. And I'd love you and thank you for that. If you want to support everything that I do, including my writing, you can head over to patreon.com slash cedorset and support me over there. That helps out with everything, including my fiction, not just the podcast. Like I said, if you want to get in touch with me at all, go to projectshadow.com. You'll find links to all my stuff there. And with Nano coming up, I really am trying to figure out what I'm going to do that month. And so if you have any ideas of what you think, because there's part of me that's kind of tossed up of, with using Anchor where I can record throughout the day and just kind of do like a audio blog of my writing experience for the month as the episodes, which means they'd actually come out at night rather than in the morning. Um, I'm half thinking about that because I think that might be kind of nifty to do. I don't know. Or I'm going to just record a couple weeks worth of podcasts like, and they'd come out one a, once a week through November, but I need to figure that out soon. If you have any suggestions, let me know. That would be awesome because I really haven't figured out what I want to do yet. Anywho, my husband's home. It's time for me to do stiff. So until next time, have the fun. Bye.